Once again, Kevin Bunger from Hierology is here to answer questions and uh, have a nice little discussion for the next 30 or so minutes, and we'll have another break. More than anything, I just wanted to hear from you all as to maybe topics that we discussed or strategies that we talked about and expanding on those. Um, I'd love to hear from you all as to things that are working well or areas that you want to improve on or just have an open dialogue. So maybe just start with any questions on the content yet? Maybe not so much on the content, but um, for like a CRM, I know you talked a lot about it and like tracking metrics. So right now it's just it's me and my husband, but I'm doing everything in like Excel in terms of like tracking these and just getting overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so is there like, but we're at, we're not at the point where we need we're on sales reps, so we don't need like the sales. We don't need all the crazy metrics. I just need something that like keeps me organized, reminds me to follow up. So is there any suggestions? We probably doesn't have any. Yeah, yeah, they do. Oh, no. I'm sorry. We use we don't have one. No. For Tomo and Campusing, both use a, a tool called Close.io. Okay. Um, compared compared to like the free tools on HubSpot, what what's that value? HubSpot's got some pretty free, great integrations with uh, Gmail Suite. Yeah, they do. As long as you're using it through your computer, for the most part, it's only download for your computer. It does all the email traffic through your customer yeah. base. I mean, I that's like 150 bucks a month or something like that per user for license. Um, for HubSpot? No, for close. I saw a third, for small businesses that I looked up earlier, you mentioned it, or somebody mentioned it was thirty-five dollars for one to three people. For close or HubSpot? For close. Um, we well, got a bigger, you got a bigger, bigger group. So uh, well, more. we use the whole enterprise solution, so it calls, it texts, it emails, it does inbound calls, outbound calls, it tracks every single thing, and then it's uh, account based. So. You load in all your customers, it connects to all your Gmail, and then when those customers email in, you see their entire history. Mm -hmm. And then you set opportunity, follow-up tasks. The coolest part about Close is, um, it's very hard to explain, but they're called smart views. So you can throw out a, a situation like, how many emails have I sent in the last week from this user? And it'll always be a waterfall, and you can save that as a button. So like, my inside sales, I have like how many opportunities has Milo created in the last seven days? Mm -hmm. and that's my thing that I can always see, and then she can always see the little tab. And you guys use it a lot more intensely. And, and, but that, but that specific measurement tracking, then Milo has access to that closed report. She can really easily at the end of the week see how much she did and dump that number into her metric doc that they're tracking. And then Stephen, every week in his weekly one-on-one, -on -one, they're reviewing that right away. And looking back at the week, and then it keeps everyone accountable. Everyone's bought into that. That process is just way more structured. Yeah. If, if you're looking for just like, it's essentially a content manager. You mm -hmm. just need to manage leads and manage content. There's there's a freemium uh, CRMs that you don't need to even pay if you just want that content. But tools like this, especially if you have more salespeople who are thinking about building a sales organization, it can really help. What is that? I mean, if it's just you, if it's just you selling, <laughs> the threshold meaning how many people? Yeah, how many people? I mean, if it's just you selling, stick to the free HubSpot. Probably, yeah. Bigger stuff. That sounds yeah. like the way to go. Unless yes. you unless you want to grow your organization and not hire people, and you need to keep yourself sane and structured and organized because you're doing everything else to run the business, I would maybe even buy one of the more advanced CRMs. Yeah, I mean, like a hundred bucks a month, like. That one more deal a year. It's yeah. really, yeah. you know, yeah. really yeah. a good way to think. Just like email sequences, like it'll you'll send it. So it's like send these emails, you know, to your ten contacts, and if they don't respond, send them this, you know, or um, show me all the emails I sent last week that haven't been opened or read yet. 
That's cool too. So you start thinking about like, okay, you're sending proofs. Have they even opened the email yet? Yeah. Right. Okay. So I, I want to get into this. I would say that about thirds of what you mentioned is available for free with HubSpot. Yeah, so for you, guys, it for you wouldn't work at all, but for you, HubSpot, I recently do a bunch of trying to figure out free CRM for a couple bunch of mine. That one's got a lot of similar stuff, but I think for a one to three person company or smaller company that's kind of doing too many tasks on your own, that will kind of like automate some of that for you so you don't have to remember that I email them back, they open that up. It's got a lot of similar stuff. What, what I like, well, there's one piece of functionality on HubSpot that I really like, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's essentially any messaging or scripting that you use, you can plug in as a dialogue to, to use if you're on that part of the sales process, or if you want to send email campaigns to like targets, it's all structured, it's built in, it connects to your Gmail suite so you can send it directly out of there. It's a, so, like, I mean, because right now I'm in Colorado as well, but we're looking at growing that piece of our business soon in the, in the next year or two. Great. So, would I just go towards something like close rather than? My recommendation would be if you're planning on scaling and want to grow, start as early as you can with a professional CRM. What? I've, got, I've been in the instance before where it was me as a salesperson and I had to build a sales team and I used this premium. It was called High Rise at the time. I think it, I think it might be a paid uh, CRM now, and it was a mess converting High Rise to Salesforce. It was a disaster, and I just wish when I started, we knew that our Salesforce was going to talk to our main application that ran our business. I should have just started with it, but I didn't want to pay, and then I regretted the the uh, that time when I had to go back. Yeah, yeah. What can we do to uh, bring somebody in off the streets and get them uh, up and running? Um, you Great. Know. How many people don't have any salespeople selling? It's just them. Okay, so the majority of the people are by far. My recommendation on the first sales hire, I would say, is is someone that is going to tee up opportunities, not necessarily close opportunities. So, um, for example, was Miley your first salesperson in that role, a customer support role? Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I. Yes. I had so, a TO for them, she was my like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay, so so that person can maybe do some outbound, you know, cultivating a, and prospecting lead generation, et cetera, but their main role really is to take inbound leads, um, do the needs analysis, discovery, and then uh, send out quotes, right? Work with production, all those things. So having someone integrated in that knows that, that can learn and grow to know your business that's maybe doing some customer service stuff, but then also starting to sell. The challenge that you're gonna find is not a lot of salespeople are good at customer support management and then also wanting to go out and sell, close business. So you really gotta look for the latter to start with. Um, and I don't think I would, I think I would be open to looking at someone that just did that as well. Cause like taking those inbound orders, you can really train anyone to do, but if you want someone to sell, they gotta have that right mindset and the drive and determination to do that. We call uh, sales development representatives, uh, that's the role that Mike, Mike Chong, the merch sponsor, was filling. So his thought is, if I hire a bunch of people that are going out knocking on doors, driving business to me, they can set up the opportunities and I can have the discussion with them. So he has the business owner that knows it inside and out. When there is an opportunity specifically for a larger company, He's taking that conversation. They're they're essentially just appointment setters, which I shouldn't say just just. It's a hard role. Again, 
And as I've grown sales organizations, it's one of the most, I think, important roles in the company. If you don't have someone setting up new opportunities, you're really not gonna grow. So it's a really, really critical job. It's hard to hire for, again, for the reasons that I talked about in the, in the discussion. A lot of rejection, really monotonous. Um, but if you wanna find those people that are out there, and think about, if I wanna get into a sales organization, and I'm graduating from school, like, what, what's my entry-level sales job? It's a BDR, SDR, sales development rep, business development rep, that's the initial role. So people are out there and understand and realize that I'm not gonna start in sales and just close business and sell. I'm gonna have to start by cultivating opportunities, setting meetings, cold calling, telemarketing, and then earning my way up to, to be able to close I business. I got something So I'm at the next level, so I'm like a whole different sales person in here. So um, what we do is we have brand ambassadors first, and they retain business. So okay. when you get hired at the next level, you retain business only. Don't go out and hunt at all. Okay. And then we, um, if you're really good at the brand ambassador role, then you're going to sales. Shifting yeah. from customer service, they know the business, they learn it, and they know the sales. Well, my only you're still you're still out and about, traveling around, visiting accounts. Great. <coughs> you're retaining those relationships because. Retaining is just as important as doing the business. 100%. And I think a lot of us are good at that, and we're cultivating those relationships that we have. Harder to build that outbound, you know, pure salesperson. And if you're hiring those ambassadors, you just gotta make sure that they have the behaviors needed for success in that outbound sales role, that they can do the inside stuff, account management, customer success, but that they can also then, and that they want to, go out and sell and develop business too. Yeah, I think in our industry specifically, like we are as business owners the best sales people, right? Because we have to be. We have to be. Yeah. We are inside, outside sales, we're putting in orders from you know whoever. So like my first hiring decision, first it was just me. And then it was I need an assistant to just process my orders. So now I was outside sales and I trained my inside sales just to support me. And then my next move was giving my inside sales, my leads, and then telling them, hey, email all the PTA moms and booster clubs to set up appointments for our back-to-school fundraisers. And then the final point was bringing in, then replacing myself with an outside salesperson to then create that bond, if that makes sense. So it's like you create the assistant, then you develop your inside sales, and then you kind of replace yourself. And that's kind of the, how, how I've seen it um, in our I guess one of my questions is, as you transition over, we've got our key 15 accounts or whatever that make up you know, a big portion of our business. Sure. One of the worries that we have in bringing somebody in is we bring someone in that may not have industry experience and may, you know, and may not be the best representative of, of us as they're learning for those key accounts. Do you recommend kind of, like you said, getting them to learn on some of the smaller accounts, make those mistakes where it may not be as damaging, and then... You know, it basically takes a lot off my yeah. life where I can only focus on those 15 or so. Yeah. And then the rest of they come and go, they you know, they come and go and the lessons learned and they're yeah. getting more value out of the lesson yeah. than losing maybe a customer. I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's it, hiring someone to your initial question is just one piece of it. Giving them the, the structure and the organization and the support to help them grow and learn the business and get up to productivity as quick as possible is really important too. So before you think about bringing that first person on, what, what's the role and like what are their daily responsibilities? Like what's a day in the life look like? How are they spending their time? What does the first 90 days of employment look like? It's incredibly critical. Like what does success look like in 90 days? If you start in our organization, 
what are you going to be doing? What are you going to be held accountable to? What specific tasks and activities do you want to un uncover? Hit what X goals? Like the first 90 days has to be really, really structured, especially when you've never hired this person before. You got to step back and think about, all right, what does success look like and how can we get them up to productivity as quick as possible? Because think about it, a, a hire within your organization is incredibly critical and has a huge impact on your success. And expensive. And it's expensive if you get it wrong especially, right? So you hire someone, you onboard them, you train them, you're developing, managing, and they don't work out, you gotta do that whole cycle again and it's draining, it's a time suck, it's a management burn, which is hard. So, so focusing on getting the right people in, which is why you know, we're talking about you know, interviewing best practices and selection, it's an incredibly critical component. Yeah. Um, so I was working at my print shop for a while and then was basically transitioned into a sales position. Okay. Which it feels like everything, it seems like everything is very split up the way that you're describing it. Like there's a person who is a customer service person, there's a person who's inside sales, outside sales. Yep. The way that basically I'm like building it out and I am just stepping into this position, like how would you say, like what pieces of sales make sense for like one person to do and can someone do all yeah. of that by themselves? And that's probably the situation that a lot of us are in, right? It's the manager selling, that's it, I gotta do everything. The, the problem and the challenge with that is there's very few people that can be good at all aspects of the sales process, meaning, let's say, developing and creating new opportunities, closing business, and then supporting customers and managing. From a salesperson, I know intrinsically that I'm good at cultivating opportunities and closing business. Account management, customer support is not my strong suit. It's like there's, it's hard to do all of those things. So I think thinking in, intrinsically on what we like to do and what we're good at, and then hiring for the role outside that we need the most help and support on is a good way to think about that. Yeah. So for smaller shops or people who are looking to grow to add people on, so we are doing everything, and obviously you have to look at the financials too. So what are you, like in terms of compensation, what kind of structures have you seen in order to like, be able to grow your business, but like at some point you yeah. can't grow because you just run out of time. You need to do something. Right, especially if it's just you. Um, so I'm pretty versed at like the the competitive pay landscape in like Chicago. Outside of that, I'm kind of lost. My experience has been mainly here. We typically find entry level sales reps, like business development reps or sales development reps, that are cold calling essentially. They're about a 35k base, um, and then there's some upside. Not a lot when they start. Because their upside, it, it, they're not selling, they're not closing business. It's not like they're gonna make a ton of commission. They're maybe incentivized on meetings that have held. Not meetings that they set, but meetings that actually held. And then maybe if those meetings come to fruition and they close, they get a small spot bonus off of that sale. Um, on target earnings for an entry level sales rep in Chicago is probably like 40, 45 at the most. On the other hand, if you're looking at an account executive, that base is typically 40, 45, maybe even 50 to start with, and then comp, depending on size of the size of the orders that they're bringing in, average volume, et cetera. But again, you gotta look at the end in mind. What are they making now? Where do they wanna be at? And can you, as your business, afford to pay that? It's like, that's why one of the first questions that I ask in a phone interview is, what's your compensation expectation? If they're not aligned to what we can offer as a business, there's, there's no reason for us to move forward in the, in the dialogue. The way our business is set up right now, um, there's five of us, and we all do everything. Sure. Uh, we all answer the phone. We all help each other do whatever we can. Ninety percent of our business 
is walk-in because we have we have a storefront. People come in and say, "Oh, I need this for a birthday party, or I need this for you know the football game, or whatever." So, how do we start going from ninety percent of our business being walk-in to now we need to go outside and start getting more business? Like, like how do you start? What should you be thinking? Yeah, about? like I mean, I mean, mo most of our town already comes to us. So, are you, are you trying to look outside of? Yeah, yeah, like, like we want to grow, we want to get more people, or I mean, you know, more clientele. Yeah, I'm with you. One thing that I would think about is like, uh, of your current customer base, like, what do you have the most success with? Like, vertical type of business industry. Um, I'm thinking about Mike at Merch Monster, what he's focused on is like these seven verticals that he knows he does really well with. He's got Referenceable names, he's got testimonials, so he's proactively going out and trying to gather more of that business. He's also in the Bay Area, so there's a lot of opportunity. If you're in a smaller, more rural town, it's not as easy to do that. But that doesn't mean that you can't pick business out of surrounding areas and bigger cities closer to you. So I think the first thing that I would do is figure out is there a vertical or a target market that I would want to focus on and push towards? Um, I would then buy the lead list. Like, my data is so cheap right now. One of the biggest mistakes I made at Hireology is I was forcing my reps to do lead generation and look up leads and build their own lead list. And it's like such a waste of time. You could have paid 500 bucks and had a lead list with contact information and been done with it, right? So buying a lead list and then starting to go out and, and market to those individuals. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I should have figured that that question was coming. Yeah. Um, the largest is probably InfoUSA, Sales, Sales Genie. Data.com is like integrated into Salesforce. They're <coughs> probably one of the bigger players now too. Um, is it InfoUSA or Sales Genie? Yeah, uh, that, that's the same organization. Data.com is another. I don't know if you can use Data.com outside of Salesforce. I think you can. But also think about like those industries that you're targeting. There's associations that govern those industries that have member lists that you can almost always purchase. And so, the more defined you are in vertical in area, the easier it is to buy those lists. And you can just do a Google search. There's a lot of people that are selling data out there. And even competitive data. <laughs> why so many phone calls? Yeah, exactly. That's why everyone gets inundated with phone calls. But, but people do that. And the reason why you get so many of those phone calls is because it works. People sell. They wouldn't be picking up the phone and cold calling. Everybody's like, yeah, sales is dead. You know, telemarketing's dead. It's like that's how people grow a business. That's how Hierology went from me and two other people in a little hallway to over 200 people picking up the phone and calling people all day, every day. It still works. What's your take on like social media outlets and that kind of thing to generate sales? Marketing's not my bailiwick, um, but I think it's got to be a combination. I don't think you can just build like an inside sales yeah. machine and just telemarket and just build business that way. I think it's got to be a mix of sales and marketing. In my opinion, in my experience, I think content marketing is the easiest way to do that. Become a subject matter of what you do and show through social and through industry publications and speaking engagements and just be looked at as the, the place so that when people think, yeah, networking relationship, it was like Lucas got asked how do you land those big deals. It's just he's built this brand, he's networked, he's talked, he's just, he's looked at as a, you know, a, a great place to go and he's getting those leads. Yeah. Um, what do you recommend as far as email marketing, like a platform, the best platform to kind of reach out to customers or new leads? Yeah, there's a ton of tools out there. Um, 
you should have some sort of like email automation tool. Um, I, I've used Yesware a lot. Yesware is a pretty good one. There's a lot of Gmail plugins to help automate email outreach. Um, one of the, I think the best out there, it's a little bit expensive, is called SalesLoft. Essentially, like you create these cadences, you create these email structures, it's like three or four emails, and then it sets the cadence on when they get sent out. So all of it's automated, so you don't have to have an SDR or BDR plugging in all that data and sending them. And then if they respond to that, the cadence stops. And you can also, if you've interjected that email automation tool into your CRM, it can send you reminders on phone calls. So in my opinion, it's not just sending targeted emails to prospects, but it's also peppering in phone outreach as well. So if you've got a cadence out of four different emails, you should be calling them eight to 10 times in between that cadence of four emails in that two week period or whatever. So you're sending content out, so it's not just sell, sell, sell? For sure, for sure. I mean, you shouldn't be sending buy from us, buy from us, buy from us, but yeah. it's, you know, maybe it's, we, can, we think we can add value. Do you want a, you know, a comp competitive quote? Here's what we're finding in the industry. Did you know promotional products help you grow your business? Like whatever industry information, check out this blog post, but always with a call to action, always with a, you know, based on our experience, we work with other companies like yours. We think we can add value, value to your business. Please let me know if we can schedule some time. Okay. I think, for, I don't know who does for Tato. So that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I love So this, like, like Bruce set it up yeah. like four years ago. He's like, he had like a couple hundred shops. He's like, I just want to be the resource for printing. That was like his, and at the time he had wanted to get no employees. And so he would just like pay us. He's like, can you just write blogs, like, write videos, blogs? And then he put, he put them in an intercom. And then what Intercom did is like drip campaigns. So if you guys see every so often, we get like a five ways to boost your promotional products, or you don't need a sign printer to run a sign business. And it'll be like completely across the board. And then it'll always say like, hey, schedule a demo. And like, it has snowballed so hard now that Luke does it full time. Um, and it's, I think I attribute that to like the growth of it. 100% Intercom businesses? Intercom. There's very few businesses like Bruce that can just rely solely on not actually going to outreach. Bruce just hired his first BDR. He's never had anyone actually picking up the phone and calling shops. I mean, some of the sales reps do that, but they're running demos all day every day. He just hired his first, and he just built that that content marketing engine to get to get to where he is. And if I so if I could just jump in real yeah, quick on what Stephen just said there, it, uh, I actually just had this. Uh, we were talking about this the other day how sometimes we'll get questions that have nothing to do with Printavo at all. It's just like print industry questions that like we do the software but we don't do like X, Y, and Z. So people ask about, oh, how do you do this or what should I use for this? It's not us, but we're that resource and we love it. Cool. <clears throat> Start from that. No, just going back to actually the question for you guys. Uh, yeah. will Printalbo ever have the base of the drip follow-up so that we don't have to follow up with our customers after sending them an invoice for approval or mark for approval? Is that in the works to keep you guys now? Good question. Um, <laughs> Ask the engineers. Yeah, that's talking is that. I will say, so we, we have that for like the um, printable. We have it for like the payment class yeah, features, right. but that's that's something we that's a question we get a lot of. Hey, right. you know, it would be really helpful if we could get this for our approvals mm -hmm. before that. Um, so I don't think it'll ever be really like a, a marketing sense, just right. Just, oh, yeah. But from that, I, I see that, that's something we. I guess coming from the other side, it's if we don't have yeah. to make those additional oh, emails that we can spend more time doing yeah. sales. What, what, I, what I can say, what I will say is um, we, you know, automations are, right. things like that are, are a huge part right. of what we want to improve on this year, and that, that's part of that, so, yeah. But yeah, you got to have some sort of email automation tool that, like, 
you can't rely on salespeople to just send targeted emails. And then to that scripting component, then it's a consistent message. And what's a, I know the industry standard subject line, but a good opener of? I mean, it depends on what the content's gonna be like. Um, uh, I've used like in the, some of the initial outreach, their first name, comma, quick question, mm -hmm. you know, or, um, you know, follow up requested, like something that's gonna, you know, right. like, like, yeah, but not like best promotional company ever. It's <laughs> not the right approach. What would be like the, the baseline three to five metrics, KPIs to measure for, you know, another, again, somebody getting started? Yeah, so it, it depends on what the role is. If it's customer support, customer success versus if it's just outbound dialing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the inside was number of new opportunities created, right? So, so let's track, it was on a week we wanted 10 new opportunities, so that aligns with how many inbound leads they're getting. But then conversions, how many of those new inbound opportunities then closed? You're using a tool, he's using this tool called Ring Central to track number of outbound dials, so he can track how many dials she made. And then they have like an uh, average job size through Printable to just track and measure that it's aligned to their like $1,000 average job size uh, goal. And then he also mentioned that he's tracking the number of reviews that she gets, like Google reviews or Facebook or Yelp reviews. They wanted to know the number of outstanding proposals week over week and how that tracks. Are you guys still doing handoffs? Smile at kicking you opportunities. She sends them to me. Yeah. Okay. Them back to her. <laughs> so when Milo, Milo feels like there's a big enough opportunity that she should get Stephen involved, she'll kick it to him. So they're measuring handoffs each week, and then uh, again photos of, of merging and, and jobs. So I've worked with a lot of like smaller shops, oftentimes, and some things I've seen people try to do, and I haven't really been able to get the metrics on the success rates. Wondering if you've seen it is when a smaller shop, maybe in rural area or something, have like one or two customers that kind of seem to always be in the right place at the right time. They're kind of like the little hustlers for those towns. Uh, I've seen some print shops say, okay, well, why, why don't we just go ahead and offer them incentives to say, okay, you start going out and getting work for us, we'll go ahead and just kick you back a percentage of profit on all those, all those jobs. So you're kind of bringing in a salesperson without having to pay a salesperson. So you're kind of like tapping and utilizing someone's natural inherent ability to go make those sales yeah. and try to incentivize them by you saying, hey, you get a lot of work, so all your work you currently have, I'm going to give you a 10% discount automatically on any new work you bring in for us, I'm going to give you 10% on that or give you wholesale contract pricing and you can upcharge whatever you want and I'll still run it through. Is that something that you can see might be effective for more rural area shops, be out of, out of big metropolitan areas? Steven down at camps and you've got your, your students you can tap, tap on, but is that something yeah. that is effective? Have you seen that? It's almost working? like the Northwestern Mutual model. Yeah. yeah. Right? Do you have any friends yeah. with family? Uh, do you have any friends? Literally, Northwestern Mutual is, do you have any friends? Hey, I know you don't need insurance, but if you have any friends and family, you need insurance. <laughs> right. Literally, that's how they've grown their, their company. But it's like, I think it's, how many times do we actually ask our customers if they have friends and families that need orders? Yeah. So we incentivize them, like, I'll throw 20 shirts to your church your way if you can get me a couple orders. It's a, great, it's a great it's a great thing like we've been talking about mainly like cultivating that new business and cold opportunities there's a lot of warm outreach that can be had to grow your business too and you know asking for testimonials you know quotes any feedback that they can provide reviews but then also asking who else they know and asking for referrals reviews are huge we built our local business yeah. based on reviews great we had a couple paid services that 
automate the email follow-up saying, hey, here's, I think it was Bird Island, one of the reputation managers. Uh, it was a month, and after every order, we literally sent out something that said, here's a link to uh, review us on Facebook. Here's I, I still hire consultants like yourself to help us out grow your business, and it's the best way of doing it. Yeah. Kevin built out our whole inside-outside sales. So I do the student thing, and that's my game, but like I needed help on the professional side, and Kevin was incredible. If you don't spend money in your yeah. company, it's not going to grow. You, yeah, don't don't be shy of spending money. You need a referral code. Thanks, guys. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me too if you think I can help. It's been really fun working in this industry and seeing the passion that you guys have for your business. It's, it's been cool for me too. So thank you. All right. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.